Several weeks ago, we started a new series entitled Open Doors to a New Year. And we started off by taking a look at a new you, by asking three questions or three types of questions. What do I need to put off and what do I need to put on? What, uh, what doors are closed and what doors are open? And then what is important and what is really important? We took a look at our character through those questions. Last week, we took a look at opening doors to our convictions. And I made the statement, if you're going to build convictions, you want to build them on things that are lasting, which, are, which is God's truth. Methods may change, but the message of God must never change. And that is what you and I should build our lives upon. Today, we're going to take a look at opening doors to your imagination. One of the greatest gifts that God has given you is the gift of imagination. It is the ability to see things in your mind, to think and create mental pictures. And God has given you this gift. And the reason that you have that is because God imagines the Bible says that God imagined the universe. And then guess what? He created it. The Bible says God imagines all of history. It's called the foreknowledge of God. That's why nothing takes him by surprise. And you and I are most like our creator when we begin to be creative. When we begin to imagine. When you use your mind for good and for God, it puts a smile on God's face. Now, what I am about to say is not new to you, but it bears repeating. Nothing becomes reality until it first starts in a person's mind with an idea. This building, every great business, Every song, every piece of art, somebody imagined it before they created it. Without imagination, you can't make the decision to go for it. When you make a decision, the first thing that you do, you begin to imagine in your mind what the outcome or the result will be. And then you make the decision. And imagination is a gift from God. It is a tool that can be used for good, or for evil. In fact, every gift can be used for good or for evil. Water, fire, <laughs> uh, nuclear power can be used for good or for evil. It can be used, misused, abused, or perverted. Today, a lot of people use their imagination for evil things. That is why the Bible categorize, it categorizes imagination in three different categories, things that you shouldn't imagine, things that you can't imagine, and things that you should imagine. Let me expound on those just a minute. There are things that you and I should not imagine. The Bible calls these evil imaginations or empty imaginations. Worry is a misuse of your imagination. It's empty. You worry about something and then what it does is it creates fear and, and paralysis within you. God did not give you an imagination 
so that you might be the frozen chosen, okay? It is a misuse of your imagination. Lust is a misuse. Revenge is a misuse. When you in your mind begin thinking how you're gonna get even with that person, it is a misuse of your imagination. The Bible tells us that God flooded the earth because all the people's imagination were evil, except for one, Noah. Too many people had imaginations of very, very dark things. And so there are some things that you and I shouldn't imagine. There are some things that you and I can't imagine. Folks, you and I can't imagine how great God is. We can't imagine how great his power is. This universe of ours is just a small smidget of his power. We can't imagine the power of the universe, let alone the power of God. The Bible says you and I can't fathom the love that God has for us. Our brains just can't handle it. The Bible says that you and I can't imagine what heaven is like. That is why some people don't believe in heaven. We think in three dimensions, but heaven is multi-dimensional. Now, in fact, let me read this, 1 John 3, 2. Yes, dear friends, we are already God's children and we can't even imagine what we will be like when Christ returns. But we do know that when he comes, he will be like, we will be like him for we will see him as he really is. When Jesus comes back, he's saying here that we're gonna be different. And we can't even imagine that. But there are some things that the Bible says that we should imagine. This is one of my wife's favorite verses. Philippians 4, verse 8. Fix your thoughts, it says. That means to consider. That means to focus. That means to meditate. That means to consider. Folks, it means to imagine. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right. Think about things that are pure and lovely and admirable. In other words, these are the things that you should think about. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Now, in these last several weeks, I have been interacting with our new pastor, Pastor Mark Riggins. And I asked him, Mark, what is it that you are beginning to imagine? What is it that you are beginning to dream about for LifePoint Church and for the larger community that we are in? And I want you to hear what he said. Take a look at this. Thank you, PG. I remember when you specifically told me about the dream God had given you more than 30 years ago. And now because of your dream and the faithfulness of the people at LifePoint, Thousands of people have experienced Jesus dropping from their head to their heart. And personally, as I've driven around Collin County and seen all the housing and housing developments, I am reminded that people desperately search and seek and are hurting. But ultimately, our greatest need is still a relationship with Jesus that we still need for Jesus to drop from our head to our heart. But there is a dream that I have and that I'm already praying for, and that is renewal. 
God loves to renew. We see that even in Ezekiel chapter 11, verse 19, where God says that He has come to give us an undivided heart or one heart and to renew our spirit. In this day of division and all the transition that's happening in our world, God wants to renew again. And that's my prayer. Now you may think, well, that's a little old-fashioned to think of a revival or a renewal. And is that even realistic? Is it even possible? I mean, after all, isn't that something that's a little unrealistic? And yet I'm reminded of the 200-year-old words of John Newton when he penned, Thou art coming to a king. Large petitions with thee bring. His grace and mercy are as such that none could ever ask too much. For thou are coming to a king. That's my prayer for you, for your family, for the church and the region. And I just want you to know, my family and I, we can't wait to meet you next Sunday morning. In the meantime, God bless you, and we'll see you soon. Let's give it up for Mark, okay? Because he's going to be here. When I heard Mark's answer to my question, I was inspired because I thought this is exactly what we need in our day and age. With everything that is going on in our culture, with everything that's going on physically with, with this pandemic, with what things that are going on in our church, we need God to give us a dream. We need to dream personally, we need to dream corporately, we need to dream culturally. What I wanna do this morning is I want to show you the relationship between imagination and faith. And I want to help you begin dreaming like you have never dreamt before. In order to do that, I'm not going to be able to take just one portion of Scripture and divide it up. As you know, I'm more of a topical guy anyway. We're going to have to take verses that are scattered throughout the Bible to explain this. So I want you to get your pens out and I want you to take some very good notes. And the first thing is this. My imagination shapes my life. In other words, the way I think affects the way I feel and the way I feel affects my feet, my actions, my behavior. If you wanna change your life in 2021 and you want this to be a new year and not the same year, you got to change the way you think. That is why in Proverbs 23, 7, for as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. God comes along and he says this, I want you to understand how I'm going to work in your life. I am going to work through your thoughts. And so the person who says, I can't, and the person who says, I can, both of them are right. The person who comes along and says, I just don't see this happening in my life this year. I just can't see it. Guess what? God will say, you're absolutely right. And that's why he gives a warning in Proverbs 4, 23. Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. Will you circle that phrase, your thoughts? Now, I have been a student of dreaming, of imagination for a lot of years. And I have gathered some quotes. I want to share some of them with you. This one you're probably familiar with. Einstein's quote, imagination is more important than knowledge. Logic will get you from A to B. Imagination will take you everywhere. 
George Bernard Shaw, the famous playwright, said this, imagination is the beginning of creation. You imagine what you desire. You will what you imagine. And then you create what you will. C.S. Lewis, the great Christian writer of the 20th century, said imagination is the organ of meaning. Napoleon Bonaparte, imagination rules the world. William Arthur Ward, the inspirational writer, said, if you can imagine it, you can achieve it. And if you can dream it, you can become it. The great theologian, George Lucas, you can't do it unless you imagine it. Disney, Walt Disney, Disneyland will never be completed it will continue to grow as long as there is imagination left in the world. Here's another quote. Life Point Church will never stop growing as long as there is one person that hasn't heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Guess what? We are after them. Pastor George Pfizer. There's so much I'd like to say about that. But God has warned us about the misuse of imagination when he included in the Bible the story of the Tower of Babel. Notice what he says here. Genesis eleven six. And the Lord said, now that they are one people speaking one language, this is only the beginning of what they will do. Now, nothing they have imagined they can do will be impossible for them. Now, I would have you notice as you read this text that God is speaking and what God says is true. And he says, because they have clear communication, anything that they imagine is possible. I want you to think about that with what is going on in our culture today. This actually is a warning. But it's a teaching as well. If you are a business person, how do you make the possible, how do you make the impossible possible? Through cooperation, communication, and imagination. You need people, you need language, and you need imagination. And if you've got those three, just watch out. God says our imaginations shape our life. They will shape our church. They will shape our culture. The second thing is that imagination is essential to living by faith. In fact, you can't live by faith without using your imagination. Think about this. Since you and I can't see God, we have to use our imaginations to practice faith. Now, faith is a big component of the Christian life and God elaborates on it a lot in this one chapter of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11. It is commonly referred to as the God's hall of fame of faith. We've all heard of hall of fame, right? There's the rock and roll hall of fame of uh, rock and roll hall of fame. Scott is in that, okay? Then there's the Future Farmers of America Hall of Fame. Uh, Dennis is trying to get into that out in Greenville, right? I mean, there's the Hall of Fame of Barbecue and Rob Urbanic. 
I'll let you know that. You ought to invite yourself over. Great barbecue, right? Well, God has his hall of fame of faith. And in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, he defines what faith is. Take a look at this verse. What is faith? It is the confident assurance that what we hope for is going to happen. It is the evidence of things we cannot yet see. He says here that faith is a way of seeing. When you believe that something might happen, that's called hope. When you believe that it's going to happen, that's called faith. Hope starts with thinking, thinking that it might happen, which leads to faith, imagining that it will happen. God gave you two ways to see. He gave you physical sight and he gave you mental sight. When you can't see something physically, you have to imagine it in your mind. And faith begins with hope, hoping that it might be. And then it turns into imagination, visualizing that it is or will be. Thinking turns into imagination. Do you remember when you were a kid at Christmas time? Probably so. It's just been a few days ago, right? Maybe a month. You looked under the tree and you saw that gift. You looked hard and you had hope. It looked like it might be. And the more you looked at it, the more in your mind it became clearer and clearer and clearer. Yes, it is. Folks, this is a tool that God has given us to use in walking with him. You can't see God. You and I can't see him right now. So you have to imagine. And God has given you and I tools to do that. In fact, two big tools that we oftentimes use is communion or the Lord's Supper or the Eucharist and baptism. Both of those are symbols to stimulate our minds, to visualize what we couldn't be a part of 2,000 years ago that we can't see today, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. God gives us tools. In Hebrews chapter 11, there is a hero of faith mentioned. His name is Abraham. I'm sure you're very familiar with him. Abraham and Sarah had been married. They had no kids. But one day God shows up and says, Abraham, I want you to know something. You are going to be the father of a multitude of nations. And Abraham took him up on the deal. But after a few years, he began to waver. And so God shows up and says, Abraham, I want us to go for a stroll at night. And they do. And he says, Abraham, take a look up at the stars. What do you see? Stars? As many as those stars are in the sky, so will be your children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren and on and on and on. For you out there whose kids are married and they don't have kids, take them on a stroll at night. Tell them to look up at the stars. 
What was, what was God doing with Abraham? He was giving him a visual to stimulate his imagination. To get him to think, this is what I'm going to do in your life. Take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. We set our eyes not on what we see, but on what we cannot see. What we see will last only a short time, but what we cannot see will last forever. What does he mean? He means that the material is temporal and the immaterial is eternal. For instance, this building is material. It will not last. On the other hand, God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit that you and I can't see is eternal. Your soul, you cannot see, but it is eternal. It is far more valuable than the food you put into your stomach and the clothes that you put into your body. And the Bible is saying here that you and I need to focus on those things that we cannot see. The third thing about imagination is that great lives are built around great dreams. I like to read biographies of great people. And some of the biographies that I have read, some of the people are famous and some are not. Those two things don't necessarily have to go together. You can be great and not famous. In fact, a lot of times that is the case. And yet what I have discovered in my reading is that nobody has ever been born a great person. Nobody has ever popped out of mom and mommy's tummy and become great. No, they become great by attaching themselves to a great dream, a great purpose, a great cause. Folks, you and I need something bigger than ourselves to get us outside of ourselves, to help us grow bigger than ourselves. And when you and I do that, that's when you become great. Greatness comes not as a result of you just showing up on the scene. It happens when you attach yourself to a great calling, a great purpose. It causes you to get outside of yourself. It makes you bigger than yourself. And I want you and I want us to begin dreaming great dreams. I want you to dream of your career as we launch LifePoint 2.0. Your career, your marriages, your family, your ministry. You see, Mark's prayer was Ezekiel, was Ezekiel 11, verse 19. My prayer is Ephesians 1, 18. Look at this. May God enlighten the eyes of your mind so that you can see the hope that his calling holds for you. Notice that he's not talking about physical eyes here. He is talking about your imagination. And Paul is saying and praying that your imagination will come alive. That you will begin dreaming of your calling in life. Unfortunately, most people miss their calling in life. And you want to know why? It's because they're dreaming their own dreams. 
Understand something. I'm not interested in your dreams for your life. But I am very interested in God's dream for your life. Folks, I could have made up a dream for my life. And I've tried this. You've seen this. To be a rock star. It would never happen in a gazillion years. Okay? Because I don't have rhythm. Mark has rhythm. I've heard him sing. Okay? Scoped him out. He's good. Okay? But he needs to join my band. Like that kind of a thing. I need help. God said, no. That's not your calling in life, George. If you want significance and satisfaction in life, if you want fulfillment and fruitfulness, you've got to stop following your dreams for your life and you've got to start following God's dream for your life. Because if you don't, you're not living, you're just existing. In fact, I would say this, you're perishing. Take a look at this verse, Proverbs 28, verse 18. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Amongst pastors, there's this common joke. If a church doesn't have a vision, the people will go to another parish. Come on, that was funny. <laughs> it's just pastoral humor, I know. What I want, you to dis- what I want for you is for you to discover God's dream for your life. And I want you to attach it to a cause that is bigger than yourself, that will help you get outside of yourself, that will help you to grow bigger than what you are. And that leads to the fourth thing. Your dream for your life is, is, is or I should say, God's dream for your life is bigger than your dream. God's dream's bigger than my dream. God's dream's bigger than your dream. It is exponentially bigger. It is far more eternally significant. You could have a dream to be a multimillionaire. For what purpose? To be some fat cat that's here today and gone tomorrow? No, God's dream for your life is bigger. Take a look at Ephesians 3.20. God can do anything. You know far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. Notice it's far more than you can even imagine. I know some of you out there are big dreamers. You've not been accused of having small dreams. And yet God comes along and he says, whatever you can dream, I can top it. Folks, you and I have no earthly idea all that God can do through you when you put your hands or put your life in the hands of God. I can remember 40 plus years ago before I came to Dallas, I didn't even know Dallas existed. And yet God in his sovereignty moved me here and moved me there and moved me to Plano. You can't even imagine all that God has in store for you. And for what purpose? For his glory. At the end of Ephesians, as Paul talks about this, he says, for the glory of God in the church, in Christ Jesus, from generation to generation to generation, forever and ever and ever. So will you write this down? 
God wants me to dream big. Why? Because it shows that you have faith. It shows that you are trusting him. Your dreams should not be based on who you are, but rather they should be based on who God is. When people hear your dreams, honestly, they ought to look at you and be thinking, who in the world do you think you are? When I came to this community 32 plus years ago, I interviewed every city councilman and the mayor. And I asked them about the community because I loved this community. And if you love something, you are aware. And as I shared with those people, those officials of our city, the dream that I had for LifePoint, I had two questions. Why do we need another church? There's eight churches at every intersection in this town. And that's true, right? There's, we're in the South. But they looked at me and thought, who in the world do you think you are? Wrong question. It's not about who I am. It is about who God is. So will you write this down? The size of your God should determine the size of your goals. God's dream for your life is bigger than your dream. The fifth thing is simply this. Doubt is the enemy of imagination. Doubt and fear will neutralize what God wants to do in and through your life. Folks, it takes courage to imagine what God wants to do in and through you. Why is that? Because most people are afraid of failure. When you were a kid, do you remember that you had a massive amount of imagination? And yet the older you have gotten, the more your imagination seems to rust away. You stopped imagining about what life might be like and you started imagining what, what, what is. And so you got stuck. You got stuck in the status quo, which stands for the mess that you and I are in. Doubt is the enemy of imagination. And so it takes courage. It takes courage to move against your fear. Courage isn't the absence of fear, folks. Courage is moving ahead in spite of the fears that you have. In the history of LifePoint Church, everything that we have ever done, I have been scared to death. I remember when we moved from Missouri, the, the state that I was raised in, to come to, to Dallas to start a church in the Dallas-Richardson corridor. I was scared to death. It was pretty flat. And then there's that 635 and 35, and there's the hill. I call it the ramp. It goes up like this and down into 635. You know what I'm talking about? And my stomach went up and went down. I thought, oh my God, what in the world have I done? I have just left my family, a church that was getting ready to move into their own building, to come to mass of humanity. I was scared to death. When we came up to Plano, I was scared to death. When we bought the land, I was scared to death. When we built the little house, 
I was scared to death. When we expanded on the little house, I was scared to death. When we built the big house here, I was scared to death. When we built the kids' house, I was scared to death. There has never been anything that we have done significantly that I haven't been scared to death about. And three years ago, when I launched with the board, it's time to search for our successor, not my replacement. No one can replace me. I am irreplaceable. My successor. Folks, I was afraid. And people have asked me, George, how are you feeling with all this? And honestly, until about a week ago, I had no feelings other than hot and cold. Because I was so focused on the goal. But now the goal is becoming reality. And next week, Mark will be here. And I have begun the grieving process. But I am going to grieve good. I have mixed emotions. I'm happy at times. And then I'm sad at times. Sometimes I'm confident. And yes, I have fear. God, what's the future going to be like? But every time I and we have taken a step of faith, God, we're going to trust you. Guess what God has done? He has shown up. And so you say, God, help me. Help me. Walk with me through this. I want to grieve good. Take a look at James. James chapter 1, 5 through 7. If you need wisdom, if you need God's vision of your life, just ask God for it because he is generous and enjoys giving to everyone. But when you ask God, you must believe in faith and not doubt. For a doubtful mind is an unsettled as a wave of the sea that is driven back and forth and tossed about by the wind. Such doubters cannot decide about anything they do. So they should not imagine receiving anything from the Lord. Will you write down two words in this order? Believe, doubt. First believe, then deal with doubt. You believe, and then you banish doubt. As I like to say, you believe your beliefs and you doubt your doubts. But what do we like to do? We like to believe our doubts and doubt our beliefs. Doubts are meant to be doubted. Beliefs are meant to be believed. Your imagination is either governed by fear or it is governed by faith. If it is governed by fear, your imagination will shrink to the status quo. I don't like the status quo. But if your imagination is governed by faith, it will move forward. There is a great story about the tensions between faith and fear. It's in Matthew or Mark chapter 9. You're familiar with it, I'm sure. In verse 22 and following. The man said, please heal my son if you can. This man had a son who wasn't doing well. In our day and age, it may be COVID. Please heal my son if you can. And Jesus replied, what do you mean if I can? Anything is possible if a person believes. 
The father replied, I do believe, but help me not to doubt. You see, I love this story because it's about transparency. It's okay to believe and to have doubts. And it's okay to express it. And what does Jesus do when this guy is open and transparent? He says, so be it, he's healed. Folks, I wish someone who would have come along early in my Christian life and would have told me that I didn't need to have all my doubts and questions answered before I followed Jesus. I have been walking with Jesus 48 years. Mark is 49 years old. He's just a kid. I say that in a good way. And what I have learned is this. You might want to write this down. You don't have to understand something for you to benefit from it. I don't understand the internal combustion engine, yet it doesn't prevent me from driving a car. I don't understand aerodynamics, but it doesn't prevent me from getting on a plane and flying to D.C. to see my grandson. Folks, I don't understand human digestion, but it doesn't prevent me from eating. And guess what? I see that it doesn't prevent you either. We don't have to understand something in order to follow Jesus and to experience the benefits. And so you've got to banish, you got to believe and you got to banish the doubts. Lord, I do believe, but help me with my doubts. My point is this, as we go through this transition, be transparent with God. God, I do believe, but help me with my doubts. One of the things that happens over time is that vision leaks. It's like a helium balloon, you know? You first got it, let it go, it's up at the ceiling. But after a period of time, the environment starts working on it and it starts drooping. Some of you are drooping emotionally and mentally. You have stopped dreaming. And you need to be refueled. Which leads me to the sex thing. How do you refuel? God's spirit and God's word refuels my imagination. Those two sources, God's spirit and God's word, refuels our minds, our imaginations, our dreams. First, the Holy Spirit. Take a look at this verse in John 14, 16 through 17. I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper who will be with you forever. That helper is the spirit of truth. You know him because he lives with you and will be in you. Folks, that's where the power comes from. It doesn't come from positive mental attitude. It doesn't come from self-help books. It doesn't come from, I don't know, self-help seminars. It comes from God's spirit that resides within us. And then the second source is God's word, the promises of God. Look at Psalms 119, 18 and 27. Open my eyes to see the wonderful truths in your law. Help me to understand the meaning of your commandments and I will meditate on your wonderful miracles. 
And I would encourage you and I during this season to wake up in the morning and to be in prayer and to read God's word. And then before we go to bed, revisit the dream that God has placed in your heart for your life, for your family, for your marriage, for for our church and go to bed with that. I have done this for years and I've seen God work. In Isaiah 50, Isaiah speaking of himself and I believe prophesying about the Lord, he says, I go to bed morning by morning and you wake me up to help me to discover what your will is. And I've seen that happen in my own life. Wrestling with something, praying about it in the morning, looking at God's word, going to bed with it and bam, wake up in the morning and bam, there it is. God works in the morning and he works at night. The seventh thing is this. Growing my character will clarify the vision, the dream, your imagination. If you have a hard time understanding what God's dream is for your life, if you don't get it, then you need to focus on growing up spiritually. Take a look at 2 Peter 1, 5 through 9. To your faith add goodness, that is, good things. And to your goodness add knowledge, learn, grow. And to your knowledge add self-control, and to your self-control add patience. In other words, start adding some other character qualities in your life. And to your patience add service for God. And to your service for God add kindness for your brothers and sisters in Christ. In other words, within the church. And to this kindness add love for everyone outside the church. If all these things are in you and are growing, they will help you be useful and productive. But anyone who does not have these qualities cannot what? See clearly. So growing my character helps me to see what God has for me. And you can do that through God's word. You can do that through small groups. You can do that through coming to church. In fact, I would suggest all three. And then the final one is this. If a dream is from God, it will be connected to the church somehow, some way. And his plan for the world. Why would God give you and I a self-centered dream unconnected to his church? Folks, he won't. He wants to use you for his dream, for his plans. And what is that plan? It is his family. He is building A family. I shared this last week. It's a conviction of mine that God made the universe so as to make our solar system, so as to make our planet, so he could create you so that you could be a part of his family. He wants a big family. And he puts you here to be a part of his dream and not just your dream. And after the resurrection, Jesus spoke about this five different times It's commonly referred to as the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Go therefore and make disciples unto all the nations 
and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Those were Jesus's last words. That was the dream that was on his heart because the Father wanted a big and wants a big family. And this church was started on the Great Commission. And that's my commission, and that's your commission. And what motivates me is that today, the church is the largest organization in the world. 2.5 billion people. It is outpacing population growth. 1.27% by 1.2%. And so if you get a dream... It's got to be attached to something bigger than yourself. And I can't think of anything bigger than the church. And so as we end this series, and before Mark comes, I want to end with some questions. I started with questions. What do I have to put off? What do I have to put on? What, what doors are closed and what doors are open? What's important? What's really important? Here are four questions that I would have you think about as we move towards Life Point 2.0. What if? What if? Thinking of the possibilities. Why not? Why isn't this happening? Why not me? And why not now? Why not? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you are a God that I can't even begin to describe. I can't even begin to think of all the things that are on your mind that you have in store for us individually, in our marriages, with our families, with our church, with the community that we live in. But God, you're working. And as we stand at the precipice of the future, we thank you that you've said I'll be with you, even to the end of the age. And God, wherever you're at, we need to get there. Wherever you are, God, we need to go. And God, we don't want you to bless our dreams. We want you, we want to get to where you're blessing. And so God, lead and guide our church. We look forward to the future. Prepare our hearts, expand our minds. Help us to love you, God, more and more with each passing day. Help us to trust you more and more. Help us to be transparent, God. Talk with you about our faith and our doubts. Thank you, God, for your love for us.
work for the glory of your church and for future generations that are to come. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.